Welcome back to Charles Sturt Stories. In this episode of our alumni podcast series, we're going to unpack how business and creativity can combine to solve world problems. We'll be talking to David Ohana, one of our advertising grads who's dedicated most of his career to using his skills for social good. David's worked on campaigns for some of the biggest brands, not-for-profits, and names in the world, from Google and Amazon to the UN and UNICEF to Ban Ki-moon and Beyonce. Our interim vice-chancellor sat down with David to chat about his career and how his time at Charles Sturt led him to land the UN as a client and ignited his passion for social purpose marketing. Hi, everyone. I'm Professor John Germov, interim vice-chancellor of Charles Sturt University. Thanks for joining me for our second episode in our alumni podcast series. Today, I'm speaking with Charles Sturt advertising graduate, David Ahana. Welcome, David, and thanks for joining me. Thanks so much, John. My absolute pleasure. After almost 22 years after leaving CSU, it's great to be back. Great to have you here. And looking over your career, it's been amazingly diverse and successful. You've worked on creative campaigns for some of the world's most profitable organisations, but also uh, equally, you've worked on numerous uh, projects for not-for-profits that have resulted in positive real-world change and real-world real impact. So, look, I'm really fascinated to learn more about your career and perhaps maybe we start by taking me back to your time at Charles Sturt and what role you think it's played in where you are today. Thanks, John. So, I mean, I think it's fair to say that a lot of what I'm doing today can actually be traced back to CSU um, and the creation of our little student ad agency, Kajulu. That was my final year, 1999, and our lecturers, Brett Van Heckeren and Peter McDonald, gathered a few of us together. It was Caroline, James, Tess, Mel, Megan, and Jill, uh, told us about this International Advertising Association Interad Contest um, as essentially an opportunity to take on universities around the world. So any self-respecting agency needs a name. So we came up with Kajulu and uh, I lovingly created a logo in Microsoft Word. Um, we were fiercely competitive to take on some of those big city universities and the reigning champions in Asia and the US. We took it very seriously. I remember spending most of our April holidays holed up in an office. We set up a war room. Jillian was managing director. I was creative director. Um, and we worked on a campaign for compact computers. Not sure Compact even still exists, so clearly a very successful campaign. After uh, weeks and weeks of work, uh, to our disbelief, we won. Um, and a couple of kids in regional New South Wales had beaten um, universities around the world. Um, I remember Brett and Peter took us out for milkshakes to celebrate the victory. Yep, uh, they were the hedonistic and wild days of advertising. And I hear Kajulu continues today, which is absolutely brilliant. Here it's got its own building and that a small group of students gather every year. So I like to think that we kind of accidentally, inadvertently started a way less cool, entirely less secretive Adland version of Dead Poet Society. And in all seriousness, it was definitely a confidence boost. And I guess it was like, well, that happened. So what could we do next? For me, the answer came just a few weeks later. It was our final year. As I mentioned, we had to pick a client and do a campaign for them. Lots of folks uh, went and signed up the local businesses. And for whatever reason, I remember narrowing it down to either Nike or the United Nations. Both sounded like big global brands. So I called up UN headquarters late one evening, uh, managed to talk my way through to someone in the communications department. 
Hi, it's David. I'd like to offer my services pro bono to the United Nations. Um, and to my surprise, the woman on the phone said, well, you're a bit late, aren't you? Um, she went on to explain that they just put out a tender for advertising agencies to run World AIDS Day campaign. So they put us in touch with the Sydney office. I remember they sent us a bunch of paperwork, which we couldn't fill out. We were just advertising students, our company's financials for the last five years, and then got some friends together. We basically, what we studied during the day, we, we put to practice at nighttime. And then the big day came, we marched into the UN office in Sydney with a VHS cassette and borrowed suits. They were a bit confused at first because we were not an advertising agency, but university students. We hadn't done the proposal, but we had finished the campaign. To cut a long story short, we won the pitch, knocking out a bunch of actual agencies. Um, and soon our campaign was running around the world on CNN, BBC and stadiums and in cinemas. So a campaign produced by a couple of students from regional New South Wales had gone global. Then right after that, something even more unexpected happened. A job had come up in uh, East Timor in the communications team, the country that had just been reduced to ashes following the elections. Someone at the UN said, well, what about that guy in Australia who did the World AIDS Day campaign? Let's send him probably because I was close and cheap. And what ensured was the most incredible experience. The UN had literally gone in and was running the country. My eyes were opened and my mind was blown. My boss was this incredibly charismatic Brazilian diplomat called Sergio Vieira de Mello. And it was while I was in East Timor that I got a, a, received a job at Saatchi and Saatchi, the agency I'd always wanted to work for. But I remember when I got that call, I was in a UN Jeep rumbling through a town where smoke was still billowing from the charred shells of homes, and I could already feel my priorities and my purpose starting to shift. In East Timor, under difficult circumstances, we were working on a, a project to move a family out of an area where there was militia and dengue. I finished up my contract with the UN on a Tuesday, and at Wednesday, I started at Saatchi's. And I remember sitting in this really plush boardroom discussing whether a Toyota logo should come in a few frames earlier or, or later in a TV commercial. And that's nothing against Toyota or Saatchi's or advertising. In fact, quite the opposite. It was just that the 20-year-old version of myself was thinking, if we had only 5% of the creative power, of the resources, of the partnerships that are in this room right now, if we could apply that to the work I was doing yesterday in Dili, it could have actually potentially solved a ton of challenges and even saved some lives. And it was that experience, which really all started at Charles Sturt University, which solidified all the work I've been doing ever since. That's a truly inspiring, inspiring story. And, and just to reassure you that, that, you know, students are still competing under the Kajulu banner at the university. I think it's um, the 12th consecutive year we've had, had students as finalists in the International Advertising Association Big Idea student competition. So it, it just shows that the, the quality and the, the reputation from, um, from since you left has really continued. And it's just wonderful that that's been able to provide yourself, but also following students with that sort of hands-on industry experience that is so key to a successful career. But you mentioned going to Saatchi and then what's your sort of view in terms of how you've seen, for want of a better term, the sort of social purpose uh, marketing change over the years? What, how has it evolved and, and what, what, what's your view of it? Sure. So when I left Australia just over a decade ago, this union between creativity and cause was still often pretty awkward. It was kind of like a, a bad school dance where you had cause on one side of the hall, corporations on the other, sweaty palms. They just weren't quite sure how to talk to one another. Brands, you know, very publicly often hired a sort of 
corporate social responsibility person and bolted them into the org chart because they felt they needed to. Then there was the stories of brands who donate a million dollars and then spend $2 million PRing about the fact that they donated a million dollars. And meanwhile, you know, agencies would produce these really powerful public service announcements, then run them once at 3am so that they could be entered into award shows. So yeah, a fair amount of skepticism on both sides, but happy to say times have changed, which means it's extra exciting to be doing the work that I'm doing now. We're in a world where brands and the creative community have as much potential to change the world as governments and not-for-profits, and in many cases more, which puts your students in the driving seat. Social responsibility doesn't just get you through the pearly gates quicker. It's proven to be good for business. There's the stat that of the S&P 500 companies who are investing in social impact, they're outperforming those that don't by 26%. Some of the coolest and most profitable brands out there are also brands doing good. Corporations are more resourced than governments and not-for-profits, so even a greater ability to affect change. Last year in the US, in terms of revenue, uh, it was $20 trillion for corporations versus $3 trillion for governments and $1 trillion for not-for-profits. So brands have a lion's share of power. And looking towards the future, you would have seen two thirds of the generation coming through won't take a job if the employer doesn't have strong corporate social responsibility credentials. Millennials have a global annual spending power of 2.5 trillion and almost all of them say that they would switch for a good cause. So it's simple. If you're a brand and you want to attract the best people and you want people to buy your products, do good. Can you sort of reflect on perhaps a couple of the more specific examples of just just that? type of work uh, that you've been involved in? Because I think our our listeners would really be interested in that. Sure. So, I mean, my advice um, to brands is spend less money on, on making ads, especially ads talking about how much you care, and instead spend that money on helping to solve a social issue. Then tell that story and tell it well. Celebrities, fantastic. They're great for amplification, but the idea has to be great in the first place. An average idea seen by millions of people is still an average idea. So yeah, there are certainly pitfalls, but when it works, the results can be truly magic. I've seen it with my own eyes and I've been lucky enough to have been involved um, in a few such collaborations. Now, I have to ask, you did work with Beyonce in that regard. Can you tell us a little bit about that? Sure. So one of the projects and influences that we've done quite a lot of work with over the years at the UN and UNICEF is the music artist Beyonce. So the UN has a multitude of international UN days. Sadly, most of them go by fairly unnoticed. A few like International Women's Day has captured public imagination. So in my first few years at the UN, I was given the task of making one of these international days famous. 19 August and World Humanitarian Day. It was a day that had a fair amount of personal significance for me as it was the anniversary of the death of the gentleman that I spoke of earlier, my boss in East Timor, Sergio Vieira de Mello, who was killed in Baghdad in 2003 when the UN compound was destroyed by a suicide bomber. In fact, every year since that day, over 200 aid workers have either been killed or kidnapped in the line of duty. So an increasingly difficult environment to operate in. So World Humanitarian Day, it was a day to commemorate aid workers to shine a spotlight on the most pressing humanitarian issues. So to make a day famous, firstly, you need to get it known. You need to get it on the calendar. So we set out the task of trying to reach a billion people on one day with one message, which is do something good somewhere for someone else. This was in honor of aid workers like Sergio. So to do that, we needed an iconic piece of content and an innovative way to get it out to the world. 
it would certainly help to have one of the world's biggest voices on board. So we came up with a collaboration with Beyonce and her team where we shot a live projection mapping music video in the UN General Assembly Hall, working with a number of amazing creative partners like Droga5, Ridley Scott and Associates and others. It was an example of bringing together the best in the creative community, a big influencer, and money can't buy a UN asset, in which case it was the UN General Assembly Hall. And that's a model I've used time and time again. The shoot itself was incredibly emotional. We shot the video in front of a live audience, including representatives from around the world and families of aid workers who had been killed or kidnapped in the line of duty. Uh, we piloted a social media technology called Thunderclap, which basically captures everyone's intent to support a campaign, holds it, and then lets it out on the internet at the same moment. Um, a ton of world's biggest influencers, Michelle Obama, Lady Gaga, Shakira, Messi, Justin Bieber, as well as brands that don't normally collaborate together like Nike and Adidas all got on board. At the end of the day, we ended up reaching about 1.4 billion people and the music video has been seen by over 123 million times. Lots of really lovely anecdotal stories um, coming from the day. Like we, there's a woman in a supermarket in Chicago who suddenly announced she was going to pay for the groceries of everyone in the queue behind her because, you know, today was World Humanitarian Day. She saw the video and she thought it was about time she did something for someone else. So it was a great way of launching the day, broke a number of social media records. But I still remember a day or two afterwards, just feeling like next time we collaborated with such an incredible influencer and in an organization like the UN, we really wanted the results to be measured well above and beyond just social media reach. Um, you know, it's hard to make the correlation between the campaign and a kid getting a warm meal, a vaccination or being able to go to school. So really wanted to focus on real impact on the ground. That opportunity presented itself again quite unexpectedly in 2017. Beyonce had seen a short segment on television about a country called Burundi in East Africa where half the population lacked access to clean water. Women and girls were literally walking for hours a day to get clean water, putting them at risk and robbing children of their childhoods. Uh, so we teamed up with Beyonce and her team on a project with UNICEF, and it's something I'm super proud of. The project was around the creation of safe water points, wells, and building sustainable communities around them. So far, the collaboration has built over 60 wells, bringing safe, clean water to over 100,000 people. So in a few years time, we'll hopefully be able to look back and what started as the big audacious music video in New York will end up on the other side of the world, helping change communities and bringing clean, safe water to thousands of women, children and families in Burundi. So infinitely more powerful than social reach. Wow, what a, what a wonderful life-changing project. And it's just amazing that you've been able to work on, on such, such impactful, impactful projects and, and really make a difference to people's lives. But David, what are you up to now? I mean, what, what are you currently uh, working on? What are you, what, what, and I know you just recently returned to Australia from being in New York, so maybe you could tell us um, what, what, what's brought that about and um, uh, what the future might hold. I had absolutely no intention of leaving New York or the UN, but then in January last year, um, as they say, an offer came up that was just too good to refuse. I've taken on the role of Director of Communication and Marketing for Tatarang and the Mindaroo Foundation, which is founded by Andrew and Nicola Forrest. Um, they're Australia's most active philanthropists and also the first Australians to sign the Giving Pledge. It's kind of like a mini UN without the shackles um, based in Perth, Western Australia. I made the leap as I was really starting to get the feeling that the scale and pace of the challenges the world's facing are not going to be solved by organizations like the UN and governments alone. 
we really need a full court press from the private sector and foundations who can move at speed and at scale to help overcome these. Here in Perth, we're tackling some of the world's biggest challenges, modern day slavery, plastic waste, early childhood development, indigenous parity, frontier technology, fire and flood resilience, and the list goes on. Again, my job is about bringing the best and brightest in the creative community to help achieve our aims. In the next couple of months, we'll be filming a TED talk delivered by a baby to shine a spotlight on just how important the first five years are, a massive stunt on global plastics, which I wish I could tell you more about, but not just yet, and powerful ways for the ocean to shout a very large message back to the world. And that just is the tip of the iceberg. It's an amazing place to work um, with the goal of arresting unfairness and creating opportunities to better the world. In fact, two of the other most senior comms folks uh, here at Mindaroo and Tatarang, our Director of External Affairs and our new Head of Media are both CSU alumni. So the Mitchell Mafia is alive and well here. Um, <laughs> absolutely love it here and very fortunate to work for such an incredible family and foundation. That's wonderful to hear. And look, I wish you wish you well in, in your endeavours, but just, just we're almost out of time. I was just wondering, any, any tips for... Uh, our current uh, advertising students who might be about to embark on their careers? Yeah, well, as I said, you, they're finding themselves really in the seat of power at the moment in terms of just how much ability the industries that they're going into uh, have to affect change. I think, guess my advice would be, particularly now, keep learning about the issues, but by that I mean consume media on both sides of the story. It's great to get different perspectives. In New York, I used to wake up and watch a bit of BBC and then CNN and then flip over to Fox to get the local and local stations just to hear differing views, I think particularly important right now. Speak up about the issues you care about. Um, it's been referenced a lot, but there's a lot of phenomenal uh, young people who are schooling us on how to do our jobs. Greta, Malala, Emma on issues like gun control, education and climate change. Be persistent. There was a guy at an event I was speaking at recently who said, be shameless, but not rude. I kind of like that. And finally, I guess to go back to my first story, when you have an idea or a goal, pick up the phone and make a call. I sometimes think about that very, very first call I made to the UN from Bathurst. Without that, I'm pretty certain I would never have involved in any of the projects I just mentioned or had the pleasure of meeting you today, John. So yeah, never leave an idea you have unrealized, especially one that could help others because they and you are needed now more than ever. Well, those are wise words indeed. Um, David, look, thank you so much for your time today and for joining me in discussing uh, your career and the impact that studying at uh, Charles Sturt has had on that career. And it's really heartening to hear and see how our graduates are using their skills and um, their knowledge for uh, the public good and for um, having an impact on the world. And as you probably recall, one of the mottos of Charles Sturt is that we produce graduates for the public good. And it's, uh, I can't think of a um, a greater example than yourself as reflecting that very fact. So um, thank you for, for joining us today. And uh, for our listeners out there, I look forward to bringing you uh, more episodes in our alumni series podcast. Thanks, David. Thanks so much, John.